Microsoft reported earnings, Teams is going fluent, and Game Pass is doing pretty well. Happy Friday, friends. It has been a busy week. Uh, it's Halloween here in the U.S., and so many of us are probably wearing masks in some capacity or another and going out or not going out and eating candy or not eating candy, depending on where you are in the world. But I hope that you had a wonderful week. And let's kick things off because there is a lot to talk about. Microsoft dropped their earnings this week. Actually, a bunch of technology companies did, and pretty much every company blew it out of the water from a tech perspective. Uh, Apple, Google, like just the whole gamut uh, pretty much beat earnings and Amazon had a phenomenal quarter in terms of revenue. Uh, but on the Microsoft side, uh, they reported $37.2 billion in revenue, and that is $13.9 billion of net income. And as a reminder, net income is the money that Microsoft puts into the bank that they can invest later, spend, acquisitions, or divestitures, whatever they want to do uh, with that $13.9 billion. That is now in their piggy banks, and they can use that as they would like. Uh, a couple quick highlights. Office 365 commercial, 45.3 million subscribers uh, on that side, which is just a huge number for software as a service for Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft Teams in that in that little bundle there has a hundred and fifteen million daily active users. That is phenomenal. Uh, there they added about eight million new users per month uh, from their last reported uh, figure, which is around seventy five million, I believe, at the end of April or beginning of May. So about eight million users per month, which is just that's crazy growth. Uh, Microsoft actually also announced today, sort of, uh, that Fluent, which if you're not familiar with Fluent, that is the design language that Microsoft announced about three years ago. It's almost kind of a, I don't want to say a joke at this point, but it's so poorly implemented across all of Microsoft services. Uh, anyways, some some fluent elements are coming to Teams and it's starting with Teams on the web and it's getting some new icons and some slightly different color shading. It's nothing to really write home about. But the hilarious thing here is that Microsoft will probably complete its fluent rollout or, or get partially done. And then this fall, or in about a year from now, I shouldn't say this fall, but like a year from now, uh, they're going to be announcing or at least starting to show off a new design language codenamed Sun Valley, which was scooped by uh, Mary Jo Foley and Zach. I'd been hearing about it as well. Um, and it's sort of an, it's not, overhaul might be, too dramatic, um, but it's going to be more design elements. I'm thinking that it's probably going to be more along the lines of Windows 10X elements starting to come to Windows 10, but it's going to be just in time for Fluent to be rolled out and then being replaced. So you got like a clash, a clash, a calamity of hilarity of like Fluent and then this new Sun Valley, and we'll we'll see how it shakes out. Um, you know, we're not going to pass judgment yet, but Fluent has taken far too long to deploy over three years, and the fact that Teams, which is again about three years old, uh, just now getting some of it. You know, whatever. Uh, Surface had revenue of $1.5 billion, which was a pretty substantial growth. I am betting that Surface is going to have its first $2 billion uh, revenue, $2 billion revenue, I should say. That's not net income. $2 billion revenue quarter this quarter right now, uh, considering that they launched uh, their, their new sort of entry-level Surface laptop, the Surface Laptop Go. That's a nice entry point. I think on a revenue side, I will be shocked if it's below $2 billion uh, for the holiday quarter. So uh, anything less would probably be a pretty big uh, letdown. Uh, Windows OEM revenue did decline 5%. I think we're starting to see some of, we saw a massive uh, growth of PC sales earlier in the year for obvious reasons, and we might be starting to see some of that level off a little bit, but we will see. Um, so that was one of the few sort of downsides. Uh, other big news, and this is sort of the, the nerdy side of life, 
Uh, there's a new data type in Excel. Now, Excel is Microsoft's stickiest application. It is the reason why people get hooked into Office or Office 365 because there it is for many companies who probably don't want to admit it, admit it Excel is fundamental part of the infrastructure of their reporting. Um, you know, you can do a lot of fun things with data in Excel. It's not always the, the most robust way to do things because you can make a lot of mistakes and they're not easily caught all the time. Anyways, um, Excel is getting a new data type. And so what this effectively means is like right now when you have data in a cell, it's pretty static. It's like that's the data. Yes, you can link to other cells and, and all that stuff, but it's pretty much contained inside of Excel. Uh, earlier this year, they started including things like stock and geography, and that sort of made it more dynamic and 3D, if you will, because then you can call upon relational, relational information to that data point, even if it's you know not present in the cell. Um, so here's an example. So let's say you have a, a customer data type and you have revenue as an attribute and this is all in Power BI. Well, in Excel, you can now type customer dot dot meaning period and then revenue and get the revenue of that information pulled from a third-party data source uh, using this new data type if that doesn't make sense don't worry it, it's really kind of neat and i enjoy this kind of stuff and so it allows you to pull power bi or third-party data and use it in a, a rich data structured way inside of excel this is a massive update for excel it, it really takes it from sort of a 2d application to a much more it, it's sort of crossing the line of like an access database sort of thing and so you know regardless of what side of the fence you're on um, I love Excel, and so that's a fun thing coming. It's not quite here yet. It's starting to roll out, and it'll slowly be rolled out. Um, but for those that are heavy in Excel, this is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Um, and it, like I said earlier, Samsung, Apple, Amazon, Google all had massive quarters blowing it out of the water. And it's just been, for tech, uh, the massive shift in remote work has been um, it's been a good thing. Now, interestingly enough, Microsoft earnings projections were actually a little bit low analyst projections, which, you know, take your, you know, pick your battle of whether or not you believe analysts or whatever are, are pushing too hard. Uh, Microsoft was actually a little bit below analyst expectations, which is why some of their stuff, their, their stock dropped and actually the entire market dropped uh, pretty hard a couple times this week. So there you go. Um, other things happening around on November 10th here on, well, not here, but on Petri.com, which I, I, I run, um, we're going to be doing a user management conference. You can go and get the latest from Microsoft MVPs and industry experts and learn more about how to manage your users and do it in a fast and effective way. And uh, that's a pretty cool thing coming up. And you can go to Petri.com slash conferences where you can learn more about that. So. Uh, on to the gaming news of the week. Phil Spencer did an interview this week where he actually said uh, Game Pass is completely sustainable, which is really interesting because I wish he would have dug into that a little bit more, but everybody is assuming, myself included, that that means from a financial perspective that Game Pass is now effectively paying for itself, uh, which means that, hey, you know, they're not going to do this, but if they spun it out as their own company, Game Pass would survive as an entity. And so that is actually huge news. That is really big news that if Microsoft is already breaking even on their Game Pass investments, that is that is substantial because that is why uh, that is what's going to allow them to drive and put more investments into Game Pass, which is probably how they justified the $7.5 billion Bethesda acquisition. They're like, look, if Game Pass is already sustainable today and we it's you know we're still in the very infant early days of the platform um that, that is that is huge for microsoft and also phil spencer and talked about this week at the same time that they're looking for more e-rated titles the minecrafts of the world the animal crossings of the world likely because that creates a pretty sticky situation for gamers inside of game pass and phil actually talked about how they don't want one title carrying game pass they want people to be jumping around from title to title and that is how they're going to create long-term value which is probably again why they went out and bought bethesda getting those more big titles in there allowing people to play multiple games inside of game 
Game Pass. Because if you think about it from a, a, a user perspective, you need to have at least two games inside of Game Pass to justify the cost. So if Phil Spencer can have three games in there that you're playing, then paying for Game Pass becomes something that you want to do. If you're only playing one game, it financially it doesn't make sense for the end user. So uh, just a couple things there. Um, also, Microsoft quite literally built an Xbox fridge. Actually, they built, I believe, three of them, and they're going to be giving one away. So if you've ever wanted your memes to be dreams, um, you can go find out how to enter that uh, competition. Just go to the Xbox Twitter handle and just scroll around and you should be able to find all that. Uh, on the Halo side, there was a crazy rumor drop over on uh, Reddit and then it was regurgitated all across uh, the, the Twitterverse. And he, here's my take on it. When this much information gets dropped at one time by one person, this person is either extremely high up or knows, you know, is deep into the heart of the development of Halo. And it, it just doesn't feel genuine when that much information comes out at a single time. I'm not saying that they're wrong, and I'm not definitely not saying that they are right. Um, some of the things they said are extremely obvious, like, hey, there's going to be multiple uh, multiplayer modes. Obviously, there's going to be additional games using Slip Space Engine. Well, obviously, they're not going to just build this engine and abandon it. So a lot of it's just like real obvious things that, hey, anybody could predict. It's not like Halo uh, Infinite is going to be the last game and then the whole studio is shutting down. That is absolutely not what we expect. And so the fact that they're saying more games are coming, well, obviously to me this feels just like somebody who's honestly kind of just trolling um that is my take just because again when i see a massive dump of really explicit uh, details that are finite uh just knowing what it's like on my side of the fence they are either the absolute insider um that you know knows everything or they're just trolling at the end of the day uh, there's also been some game bar updates. So if you've been wondering, this is, it, I'm really happy they did this, but it's sort of interesting that it's in game bar or whatever. But if you're wondering what's eating up all your resources on your machine, um, game bar update now has some new widgets that will help you understand what's actually going on underneath the covers of your gaming PC. And so you can hit Windows key G to go find all that and you'll need to, I believe, install the widgets. I don't know if they come out of the box anymore. Um, but you at least have that. So on to the questions of the week, which are always my favorite part. Uh, let me refresh the thread. I always tweet that out, by the way. Uh, you can find me on Twitter's at BDSams, and then you can find out where to go drop those questions to make things um, just a little bit easier. Okay, so we got a bunch of questions in. Yoshi says, uh, what are the chances that my Series X arrives early from the Microsoft Store? So probably not good. Um, I, I wouldn't count on that, although... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to say it's impossible, um, but I wouldn't expect your Series X to arrive early. But I would love it if it did, because that's where I ordered mine. Uh, the Joe Finn says, do you have any tidbits to add to the Sun Valley of Windows 2021 UI updates? Any news on Windows 10X uh, preview date? So originally, the Windows 10X preview date was supposed to be this fall. And actually, somebody tweeted that out in the fall and whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, I think the UI... I'm, the UI updates, I've heard everything from it's going to be like a decent update to pretty significant. And I think it really just depends on what side of the fence you're on about what you consider significant, right? If you look at like what Windows 10X, the, the shots that we had or the screenshots that we had to help us understand it, um, that would I be considered pretty significant. So I think it's going to be more like on the on the heavy side, like we're actually going to see Panos uh, get some of his significant influence in uh, for 2021. At least that's the timeline. That is the timeline. But we all know how these things work because the ship in 2021, the second half they need to be done like in the springish time somewhere around there uh to really start locking things down so we will see um i don't want to go too into what i've heard because it's well it's zach and mary joe have written effectively what i have heard as, as well um but yeah so there you go uh, side choker says uh why is it particularly so hard to get in contact with microsoft support why not over an email address or contact 
uh, form or something like that? Well, probably because they would get just a massive amount of, of input or, or you know, request or help desk tickets, whatever you want to call. If you're a commercial subscriber it's or, or paying customer, it's not so bad um, on the commercial side. I do fully admit that on the consumer side, it is quite a bit harder to get a hold of them in some capacity, but I believe that's by design. A lot of these tech companies do this. If you ever try to get a hold of Google, good luck. Uh, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, Bleeman says, do you still have a Surface Studio? Yes, I do have a Surface Studio 1. Um, and do you have any Bluetooth problems with it? Well, candidly, my wife has taken over where the Surface Studio sits for her at-home office, so it has not been on in a while. But I did not have any Bluetooth problems with it uh, previously, but it is a Surface Studio 1. He has a Surface Studio 2. Um, have you played any games on it? Definitely, I would not be playing games. Like, he he mentions Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 on it. No, I would not try to run that, at least not on the Surface Studio 1. Uh, Brother Nod says, uh, did Microsoft consider the limited edition day one Xbox program a success? Had they considered something similar for the Series X launch? So this is somewhat of a tough uh, question to answer because did they consider the day one program a success? I would think so because, right, obviously they sold out all that stuff and, and that's just, I mean, that's the truth is they sold out. So it's hard to say it's not a success. Um, did they consider something for the Series X launch? I know that they did consider it. But, but, but somebody's going to run with that and say, oh, they considered it and then they abandoned it. Well, I mean, that, that's just people sitting around a table and saying, hey, should we do a Series X launch uh, with a day one program? Somebody probably said, yeah, maybe we should. And somebody said no. And then they just didn't. Um, at the end of the day, it, it was really just a pretty minor thing. And so I don't think that they, they really put any weight into it, mostly because they knew that they were going to have the most powerful console. And so they didn't need any sort of like unique vantage point. They wanted to let the specs speak for themselves, I think is the reason why they went... Um, for that. And then he says, Microsoft has focused on having hundreds of games to play in the next gen due to uh, free performance bumps on backwards compatibility titles. Uh, Sony focused on having a handful of actual next gen titles. Which do you think has a better launch strategy? I think if Microsoft actually would have gotten the launch strategy they want, they would have had a better one because they were trying to get games ready for launch, but the, uh, the whole world crumbling. Uh, in front of them sort of put a big damper on that. At the end of the day, next-gen consoles are always going to sell out uh, initially upon launch, and that's just the way that it is. I mean, the next-gen Call of Duty is going to be supporting it, and that is a huge title, by the way, that will be helping to sell these consoles for the next, because you'll get better performance on it. And if you want the absolute bleeding-edge um, advantage playing against people who are not, then that is going to be the way to go, for, at least from a console perspective. Obviously, you could jump over to the PC and get the best of the best, uh, but you also pay a... a exuberant amount of money um, to get that. That being said, I don't think it's really going to hurt either company um, because they're going to sell out. The, the next-gen titles are really going to start to matter sometime next year when that initial demand curve starts to fall. So Apache says, uh, what's the easiest method to setting up a VM? That is a good question on not enough information. Are you, I'm assuming you're talking Windows and then just using uh, Hyper-V is probably the easiest way because it's depending on your processor and Windows iteration, you probably already have access to it. Uh, if not, you could go down to the VMware solution. They have some consumer side stuff or actually Parallels might be able to wait, might be an easy way to do it as well. So there's definitely like some consumer grade options out there if you don't want to tinker around with Hyper-V where you can just download an app and then it's effectively uh, a VM in a box on your machine. And so look up for solutions from VMware or potentially Parallels, depending on what you're trying to do. And then MN Mr. Bear Guy says, any update on the Xbox Series pre-orders for people who have not been able to get their hands on one? Best Buy keeps saying they will be taking more before November 10th and you will get day one delivery. Best Buy did have some available. Now, it was not the Series X, I think is what he's alluding to here. Actually, exactly what he says. Uh, they had Series S available. 
Um, at this point, you're just going to have to get lucky. Newegg had them open for a few minutes, and then they were gone, and then they got refunded or something like that. So it's a bit messy. This is to be expected. This is how every single console or early hardware launch has gone. Um, I don't. I still don't know why Microsoft, at least on their website, doesn't go to the Apple route where you can just pre-order it, and then you're just on a list, and when it comes available, it gets shipped to you. But at this point, um, it's going to be tough to get one on launch day unless you are willing to go to a store and wait in line and figure out the allotment um, allocation for your store so that is going to be probably the you know quote unquote easiest way but it's going to require the most amount of time because you're actually gonna have to go to the store Uh, and then rambo says if you had one thousand dollars to spend on a gaming ultra portable less than three pounds laptop what would you purchase i'm struggling to find a laptop that is both triple a titles and lightweight is important so yeah this is a challenge so what he wants here is to spend a thousand dollars have it be ultra portable under three under three thousand or under three pounds under three thousand dollars and be able to play top end titles so you you've got a a challenge here you're either going to have to pick ultra portable one thousand dollars or triple a titles because you can't have all three right you can spend a thousand dollars and get a laptop that'll play triple a gaming but it's not going to be under three pounds it's going to be pretty big bulky and heavy um, you could pick something that is under three pounds and under a thousand dollars but it's not going to be able to support triple uh, a titles your best bet something like this is going to be to find like a last gen or maybe like maybe like a ninth or 10th gen Intel device, maybe from Razer or possibly like Legion gaming from uh, Lenovo to to hit all those marks. But you're going to have that. The the challenge here is the thousand dollars can probably get you a pretty decent gaming laptop. The problem is, is trying to keep it under three pounds. So you're going to have to decide what's more important, being able to play games or be able to play or, or have super lightweight. Your honest God, a best answer might be to go to a get the laptop that you want, but then go to a streaming service like xCloud when it becomes available or Stadia or Luna, something like that, because you will be able to play those games on that laptop and get everything you want, although you're not going to be getting that native gameplay. But to be honest, the streaming gameplay is pretty good, so you might be all right in that capacity. So there you go, guys. Uh, that wraps it up for today. And as always, appreciate you guys tuning in, checking out, hanging out, doing all that good stuff. Hit the subscribe button. We'll catch all of you right back here next time.